Amen. Amen. Question for today is this. What are Christians to do? What should we be doing as Christians? As followers of Jesus Christ, is there or are there some things that we are to be doing as Christians? Now, I just want to tell you, I think today we have somehow made the goal or we have made the end of Christian life getting saved. And I think that is, maybe that is portrayed or that is held up as the goal. We want people to get saved. And our, our, our plea for you is that you would get saved. And, and you're lost and you're in your sin. You're, you're separated from God. There's a, a punishment coming for you. And we want you to get saved. And that's, that's what we present as the goal. Once we're saved, we seem to have this attitude that it's, it's mission accomplished. Um, you've been saved and now you can sit back and you can relax and you can start listening to Christian radio and you can just consider it done. The end goal has been met. Um, I want to tell you today, we need to understand we do want folks to find Christ. We do want folks to make a profession of faith in Christ. We want folks to get saved. But we need to understand today, getting saved in our Christian life is the starting point. It is not the finish line. And I think sometimes we're making it seem like, well, this is the finish line. It is the starting place. It, there are a whole bunch of us today, and you look around in our churches, there are a whole lot of folks who are sitting on the starting line. And it's like, well, we finished, and they're sitting there on the starting line. Can you imagine if you went over here to the track meet, and, and, and they were going to run the mile, or they're going to run the 800 or whatever race it is, and, and everybody came out for the race and they got dressed up for the race and they had practiced for the race and they came out and they stretched and got ready and they got there and, they, and, and maybe it was a short race and they got in their blocks and they got ready for the big race and they fired the gun and everybody just sat down. And they're just sitting there, they're sitting there on the starting line. I think a lot of times that's what's happening to us as Christians, we think the, the starting place is the finish line. And so the question is, again, we're going to look at it today, what are we to be doing as Christians? If that is the starting place, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, what are we to be doing as Christians? We're going to be in 2 Peter today. We're going to look at verses, um, chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you that you'd open them there. I want to encourage you every week, bring your Bibles. Uh, 2 Peter chapter, four, chapter 1, beginning here in the fourth verse. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning here in the fourth verse. I'm going to go ahead and read verses 4 through 7, and then we'll come back and look at them. It says this, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Very heavy verse. Now for this reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. All right, those are our verses today. Again, what should we be doing as Christians? Let's start looking at verse 4, and we'll, we'll break it down. Verse 4 says this, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world 
by lust. Now let's just look at that piece by piece. It says, in or for by these, for by these. Now this is a carryover from the third verse. His excellence and his glory. His glory and his excellence. Now it's talking about Jesus Christ there. By Jesus' glory, by Jesus' excellence, for by these, he has granted. He has granted. Now the verb tense here means that he has done it. It means it has been granted. It has been given to us, or, or a better word might be bestowed. And so for by these, because of Jesus' glory and Jesus' excellence, it has been done, it has been granted to us. Then it says, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. His precious and magnificent promises. Now stay with me. These are the promises of God to his people made in the Old Testament and the New Testament. These are the promises that we find in Scripture that God has made to his people. Now let me tell you some of these promises. He promises that there will be a way for us to be his people. There will be a way that he will be our God. There will be a way that we would be forgiven, that we would have eternal life, that not only would we have eternal life, we would have abundant life, that we would be indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God, that we would have a future in heaven with him. These are the promises that through the glory of Jesus, through the excellence of Jesus, have been granted to us. It, they have, it has, it has happened through Jesus Christ. These are the things, the precious and magnificent promises that have been granted to us. Now, what is that talking about? That is talking about salvation. We have all of those promises of God fulfilled through the person of Jesus Christ. We have eternal life because of Jesus Christ. We have abundant life because of Jesus Christ. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. We have a future with him in heaven because of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. In the finished work of Jesus Christ, listen to me, we have a finished and full, complete salvation. Now, did you hear that? In the finished work of Jesus Christ, we have a finished, full, and complete salvation. Our salvation does not happen in stages. I heard somebody teaching that this past week. Our salvation, there's nothing for us to seek. Our salvation, there's nothing left for us to do in order to be saved. In the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, it is finished. And we have salvation through Jesus Christ. It was in His glory and in His excellence that we have a complete salvation. That's a big thing to understand. You know what? We have a full, complete salvation. All of those promises of God are made to us, are fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Today we live in an age where there's a lot of people that want to add to that. And I, I don't know what that is. If they want to feel better because they can add something to it or, or maybe they want to add some work to it or, or they want to get in on the process of salvation. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of people today that, that seem to, to say there is something deeper or something more meaningful than just being saved. And, and they, they teach and, it, and it's kind of shady in their wording, but you know what, you're saved, but now there's a deeper thing or another thing that you need 
in order to, your, to, your, to add to your salvation. There's, there's something more meaningful than just being saved. I want to tell you this. If you think there's more than just being saved, you have no idea what it is to be saved. How tremendous our salvation. If you think, you know what, I'm just saved and I need an experience. I'm just saved and I need something else. If you think there's more than just being saved, you have no idea how tremendous is our salvation. The precious and magnificent promises are granted to us in Jesus Christ. Then the verse continues, so that by them you may become partakers. So that by them you may become partakers. And it says of the divine nature. So that you might become, so that you may become. Really, it has this understanding. It's not some future hope. Oh, you may become this. You might become this. It is not some future hope. It is talking about here a settled fact. In these promises, in this salvation, this happened that you might become a partaker of the divine nature. That is what happens when you're saved. And so it's not saying, you know what, when these promises are fulfilled in your salvation, you might. It is saying this happened that you might. This happens when you are saved. Partakers in the divine nature. Now, I want to stop right here. I better stop for just a second. What does that mean? We have the, the promises of God revealed to us and granted to us through Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be a partaker in that divine nature? I want to tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you're a God. There's some that teach that. It doesn't mean that you can become a God. There's some false religions that teach that. It's not saying, you know what, when this happens, you become part of the divine nature and you are a little God or you're somehow God or, or you get to be God somehow. What it means is this. A partaker in the divine nature is talking about life, the nature of life. It's really talking about the new birth. Now think about that. You were dead in your sin, but now you're alive in Jesus Christ. His nature is life. You get to participate in the divine nature. You, you have received a new birth. The Bible tells us we are in Christ. The Bible tells us we are made new in Christ. That we are alive in Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, we're alive. We're transformed. We're redeemed. We're restored. All of those promises fulfilled in us through Jesus Christ. Then it says this. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now see this. The verse is telling us we are participating in this, the divine nature, and we are escaping that, the corruption of sin. Now understand, that's what happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We're now participating in eternal life, and we're also escaping the corruption of sin. The corruption of sin translates, that word for corruption, the decay of sin, the rot of sin. You ever, you ever see something and, and, and a mold begins to grow on it and it rots down or you, you see a car and rust starts to grow on it and it, it rots down and falls apart. The corruption and the decay of sin. 
That is in the world by lust. And the word lust is talking about evil desires. You know what? You escape that, the corruption of sin that is in our world by lust. We have the promise fulfilled that we are saved through Jesus Christ. We are participants in a new life, a new birth through Jesus Christ. And in doing that, we're escaping the rot of sin. Now, what that verse means is this. That's talking about salvation. That's talking about what it means to be saved. That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ by faith. The divine promises of God are now fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We are saved through Jesus Christ by faith in him. But here's the point. That's not the end. Verse 4 is not the end. That is the starting place. And we move from there to verse 5. Verse 5. Now for this very reason, now for this reason, because of that salvation, because Jesus has granted us that, because of the promises that are fulfilled in that salvation, because of our new nature, because we're escaping from our old nature, for that reason, for that reason, it says this, applying all diligence. Now listen, this is very important. Applying all diligence. That word diligence means zeal. It means urgency. It means eagerness. Applying all diligence. Because of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, for that reason, we are putting in the effort. We are zealous for this cause. It simply means this. Because of our salvation, we go to work in these things. What it means is this, as Christians, we take up the cause of living for Christ. Do you understand that? We take up the cause of living for Christ. We no longer live for ourselves. The Bible says we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who lives. We take up the, the effort of living for Christ. I want to tell you, if you're a Christian, you're living for Christ. You're leading your home as Christ would lead it. You're working in your job as an example and an ambassador for Christ. As a Christian, you're living for Christ. Listen to, us, to me, men. If you're saved, that's where we're at. That wasn't the ending place. If you're saved, you live for Christ. That's the priority of your life. That's the effort of your life. You're living for Christ. You're applying all diligence to it. What it means is this, as Christians, when we understand that, that idea of salvation, we have a new purpose, and that purpose is to get up and to live for Jesus Christ. Now, in the next verses, verses 5, 6, and 7, it tells us some things that we're to be diligent in, and I'm just going to walk you through these things and tell you what it means, and I'm going to explain it. As a Christian, these are the things that you endeavor to do. These are the things that you put the effort into. These are the things that you worked to do as you live for Jesus Christ. Now, I'm just going to go through the list. First off, it starts as this. You're diligent to have moral excellence in your life. To have moral excellence. As a Christian, you're to be diligent working for moral excellence. Now, what that means is this. Demonstrating... Invisible form. Sometimes, well, that's a moral person, but we do not see it. It's in their heart. Demonstrating invisible form, moral virtue. Now, what that means in simple terms is this. Moral excellence, you're being diligent to do the right thing, to do the God-honoring thing. 
That's what that means. And if it's a big thing or if it's a small thing, I am making the effort, I'm doing the work to do the right thing, to do the God-honoring thing. That's what we do as a follower of Jesus Christ. It didn't end at our salvation, but because of our salvation, I'm putting in the work to live in moral excellence. I will do the right thing in all situations, a big situation or a small situation. The next thing that we're to work in, knowledge. Knowledge. It's talking about here the knowledge of the truth. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week, but what it means is this. You have to know the truth. You have to be growing in the truth. You have to put in the effort. You have to be diligent to to grow in the truth. Now, it's talking about here the Word of God. Listen, as Christians, we have to be working to know the Word of God. Talking about our Bibles. You have to put in the effort to grow in the knowledge of the truth that's revealed in the Word of God. I want to tell you, it's impossible to live a life that honors God and and, and do it apart from the Word of God. You have to know the truth. Man, I can't tell you this enough. The garbage is out there. False teachings, man, they're out there. We have to know the word of God. You know what? Your salvation was the starting place, but because of such a great salvation, you be diligent and you work to know the word of God. Second thing is this. Third thing is this. Self-control. You're to be diligent. You're to work in self-control. It literally translates holding oneself in. The picture is is a horse that's reined in, a horse that's, that's held back, literally holding yourself in. Now, what this means is, as a Christian, we are to direct ourselves, we are to conduct ourselves according to the moral excellence of the first thing, and we're directed by the Word of God, the second thing. That's what that means. We're to have self-control. We're to rein ourselves in. We're to live in moral excellence because of the directing of the Word of God. Now, what that means is this. For for Christians, there is no more, and this is going to be a hard thing for us as men, there is no more act first and sort it out later. That's what we, I'll just act first and I'll sort it out later. I'm crashing in and I'm going to do what I want to do and we'll sort it out. We'll pray about it later. That doesn't exist for a Christian. There's no more flying off the handle. There's no more flying by the seat of your pants. You're to rein yourself in and in the direction of God's word and and living in moral virtue, you're to exhibit self-discipline, self-control. Next word, perseverance. Perseverance, it's a combination of two different concepts, patience and endurance. Patience and endurance. It is, in this context, patience and endurance in doing what is right and the ability to keep on doing it. Do you hear that? Sometimes we might grow impatient with doing what is right. Sometimes we might not want to endure in doing what is right. It is patience and endurance in doing what is right. Here's one definition that I found in one of the books I was reading. It says this. It's remaining strong in unwelcome hardships. That's what perseverance is. Remaining strong in unwanted hardships. Now I want to tell you in the easy times it's easy. But when you have an unwanted hardship, I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this. It's remaining strong. It is staying the course in unwanted hardships. We have to work at that. That's what the Bible says. We have to be diligent in that. 
Sometimes I think about perseverance and I think, well, either we are or we're not. Well, either, either I'm perse- persevering or I'm not persevering. And if I'm not, I'll just make up an excuse for why I'm not. The Bible says we have to work and be diligent at persevering, at being patient and enduring things we do not want to face. The next word, godliness, godliness. Now watch this. This is a pretty, pretty awesome thing here in this one word. It means that we're to be diligent. We're to be zealous in godliness. Now, now what does that mean? How, how would you be diligent to be godly? What does that mean? The word actually here for, for godliness translates, now listen, true religion, true worship. So you're to be diligent in true religion. You're to work at true worship. Now what that means is you're living in the light of God, in light of God. It means understanding who God is, knowing who God is, worshiping God. You live your life in view of that. That's what godliness is. Very simply, it means this. You live a life that honors God. Now, your salvation, it was secured in Jesus Christ. But you know what you do now? You live a life that honors God. Now, the the concept here is not words. Not speak words that honor Christ. That's part of it. It is living a life, the full course of your life in a way that would honor God. Here's a question. Do your days honor God? Tuesday, Friday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, do your days honor God? We're to live a life of godliness, true worship, understanding who he is. We're to live a life that honors God. list goes on. Brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. Very simply, it's talking about how we relate to other people. Very plainly, it means this. We're to treat other people with kindness. As a Christian, you're to work at, you're to be diligent at treating other people with kindness. Not in harshness. You're to be kind to other people as a follower of Jesus Christ. That is a virtue that's lost in 2017. You watch the news and we cut each other up and we cut each other down and they say something, they say something back and you go to the school and we're teaching our kids the same thing and people are rough and they're coarse and they're foul and it's blow for blow. We're to be kind as followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're to be diligent and work at it. And the last one is this, love. We're to be diligent. We're to work at growing in love as a Christian, at showing love as a Christian. Now, anytime I hear that, that, that has become such a generic word that really doesn't mean anything anymore. What does it mean to love your neighbor? What does it mean to love your wife? What does it mean that you love something? We love everything. It, it's become a very, very generic word. But we as Christians are to be diligent to grow in our love. Now, that sounds good, but what does it mean? The Greek word agape in the basic sense of the word, means this, listen. Sacrificial giving of yourself for another. That's not what TV makes it look like. That's not what we're, we're, that's not what we're showing people when we say we love them. Do you know what? To, to love in this sense means this. You sacrificially give yourself for another one. The Bible says we're to be diligent in that. We're to be growing in that. And so you add up that list and it comes down to this. We, in light of our salvation, we, in light of the fact that Jesus in his glory 
Jesus in his excellence has secured for us a complete salvation. There's nothing left for us to do. Because of that, because of who we are and what we have in Jesus, because of those precious promises, we're to be diligent in these things. It's not that flashy. It's not that exciting. But that's what we do as followers of Jesus Christ. We're to be diligent to be growing in these things. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll leave some word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for you. I'm thankful right now that we have a complete salvation in the finished work of Jesus Christ when we receive him by faith. I'm thankful that you didn't need anything from us to complete it. Thankful that it wasn't dependent upon our works, our righteousness, or our good deeds. We'd have never made it. And I'm thankful for a finished salvation through Jesus Christ. But I'm also thankful that you tell us in your word what's expected from there. That that's not the finish line. And we're not to sit down on the finish line, but we now have a race to run until you come again. And so I pray for these things, that we'll be diligent to grow in them. That we'll put in the, the work to know your word to be kind to one another, to to grow in love, to have moral virtue, to do the right thing. All of these things that we would grow in them. And I pray the result will be this, that there are men in Vernon, Texas, trained by the Word of God, saved by the Son of God, who exist for the glory of God. Help us to look like you. Help us to serve Jesus Christ. Help His name to go forth. And I pray that you be glorified in all that. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.